Cardinals and Blue Jays are tied 3-3. Bases loaded around Barucki. The one-two to Goldschmidt. Swinging a long fly ball to the corner in left field. That is carrying, carrying well. In and out of a fan's hands. It's gone. A walk-off grand slam for Goldschmidt. 7-3 the final score. Goldschmidt wins it in the 10th with a two-out, bases-loaded grand slam. You know, Barker, they replayed us from 5 to 7 yesterday <clears throat> on the radio station. They should just replay <laughs> that same show right now. Because <laughs> basically, watch. Yeah, I, I, ba- ba- I mean, it's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Rinse you, and you've repeat. been saying this for the last couple of days, how, how tough of a watch it is. And, I, you know, I have, I have people that Correction. Are, their offense is unwatchable. Uh, there you go. I, I'm, I'm corrected. I'm, I apologize for that. I, have, I have, have. They they are very good. They they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. But I have had people texting and 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 you know DMing me and my Instagram, going, "What's going on with their offense?" And and boy, that is the million dollar question. If you knew the answer to that, how much do you think the Blue Jays would pay you to come and tell everybody? I don't know what's happening. I don't know. Enough? They'd probably need me to tell three other people so we could take four people in. <laughs> so we could run it down the line of people that we'd need the talking, <laughs> the talking strategist. Seven three, the St. Louis Cardinals beat the punchless Toronto Blue Jays. I don't know why that's funny. Night. A Paul Goldschmidt walk off. How about that? Hey, there's so many places we could go with this. Let's go good. Let's first. go good at the start. Jose Barrios again. Mm. Six and a third, seven hits. Three earned runs. Was it seven strikeouts I got. Uh, carved up Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. I absolutely carved up Paul Goldschmidt. Did things to Paul Goldschmidt that should get you arrested. <laughs> Until Paul Goldschmidt hit the walk-off home run. Uh, you knew that was coming. <clears throat> Grand slam. Space the lefty. You knew uh, what else was good? Okay, uh, so we've done the, <laughs> we've covered the. Uh, no, he was really good. He, uh, he was really good. Uh, Brios, there's this has sort of been a work in progress all year to get him a little bit more compact, a little bit of a, have a better direct line to where he wants to throw it. You could tell arm side uh, with his fastball was much better. That's into a righty, away to a lefty. You could tell he when when Kirk would set up, he would hit his glove, which that's a big deal for him. When he could do that, then that makes the breaking ball that much better. Uh, he was a lot better with two strikes. That that would tell you because of the seven punch outs, that's the most he's had all season. Uh, that's a big deal for him when he's able to locate arm side, like I mentioned. Uh, the one thing that I noticed, too, was the the fastball counts, the change up to lefties. The location of that pitch was really good. That'll tell you, again, that direction. He was a little bit more compact. I tell you, he's a lot more deliberate with the – when he starts – you know, he kicks it side saddle, and he'll stop it sort of to tell him, I'm anchoring my my foot that's on the rubber in there so I can feel it when I raise my leg. That way it's, you know, it, it allows me and helps me get a little bit more direct line and, and gets my arm slot to where it should be so I can have the same relief, release point all the time. So it's start, did, it's starting to fall into, all into place for him, I think. Yeah, and he did tell us very early that he, it's not that he was worried about, where he was coming out of spring training. But I thought he was very clear that he just kind of wasn't where he would normally be in spring training. I think we could say he may be a guy that was impacted by that, the the shortened spring training. And it took him a while to kind of kind of hit a stride. 
I'm not going to say that. I, I think these guys have been around long enough. They understand their bodies well enough. Uh, you can say it if you want to say it. I will not say it. I think they're good enough to figure it out. Well, there now, you the go. first couple of starts, maybe. Maybe just because it's early Max in the right season there. and you're trying to figure out who you are. And obviously, they were facing some good teams out the gate, which I personally think it had more to do with the teams, the quality of the teams they were facing, than mechanics and rhythm and release point. Now, all that comes with it. But again, when you're trying to be a little bit more fine with the spinning stuff, and then you tend to not get it out there enough, and that's how you're starting to get hammered. And again, it's back to fastball command. I just think it's – if we could come on here and pick at every little single thing, it ain't the pitching. Oh, God, At least no. the starting pitching. The no, starting just, pitching's been almost borderline great. Yeah, the only reason <clears throat> the only reason we're men- mentioning the pitching is because I feel like being optimistic about something. We'll be joined, by the way, by Joe Siddle, former MLB umpire Dale Scott is going to join us. He had he 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 uh, he had a couple of uh, tweets this weekend when, when we've talked about the umpires and the strike zone ad nauseum, but. Mm-hmm. I think more and more people, and this is a lot of this has to do with Jeff Passan's article about how the strike zone Major League Baseball uses to grade umpires isn't the strike zone you see in TV. And you know, Dale Scott sent out a couple of pictures of showing very clearly that the box that is used on TV versus the box that Major League Baseball uses. Box on TV, it was a ball. Box MLB uses was a strike. Now, you know what, as well as anybody, you can spin something to make it look the way you want it to look. But nobody. Using any, any formula that yeah, you want to use. Yeah, but I, I guarantee you, Dale Scott didn't sit down to go through every pitch of every game to come up with that. I'm sure. I've told you this. I hold them accountable, just like you do players. If they if they mess up, stick a microphone uh, in their face. I, It'll make it a little tougher. I don't think. For them to have to make the calls they're supposed to make. Yeah, I don't think. Well, I mean, look, I don't want to get sidetracked by it. I don't want to get sidetracked by it, but I, I mean, I don't want. No one wants to hear from umpires every game. They just don't. It doesn't have to be every game. You don't want to it hear. From, you don't want to hear. Well, there's every, every game. There's a missed call. I mean, you don't want to. You don't want to necessarily hear. How come? What were you seeing on that uh, that third that third pitch to uh, to to Nolan Arenado? I thought it was a strike. No, that's not the point. The point is, if I I want to have okay, the let, option. you know, I don't want we got let's we'll talk about it with Dale Scott because I don't because I don't want to get away from burying the Jays. That's not true. <laughs> I kid. Come on, boy. It could be easy. Come on, all it of you. It could be out easy there. for us to do it. What do you want to talk about? Which which gruesome door? It's like it's like a it's it's like that carnival thing to like a house mm-hmm. of horrors. So which which door do you want to go in? Do you want to go into what the hell were they doing to Goldschmidt? Do you want to go through the door that says what the hell were they doing with Ryan Baraki? Or do you want to go through the door that says what happened in in the Jays? Can we start with inning? B, go back to A, finish with C? Oh, Jesus. So you want to go with B? Why the hell was Ryan Baraki in the game? <laughs> that, okay. Well, that would solve a bunch of stuff. Okay, let's talk about Ryan Baraki comes in the game. Again, it's extra innings. You got the whole ghost runner situation. You've had a wild pitch. Uh, ball moves up. There's two outs. Tommy Edmond draws a walk from David Phelps. In comes Ryan Barucki. Walks Edmundo Sosa. Treated him like he was Sammy Sosa. Walks Edmundo Sosa. Brings Paul Goldschmidt to the plate. Can I can I just run our numbers out there? Sure, I love numbers. As, as a background before we... Mm-hmm. What's Ryan Barucki's... What are his pitches? Slider sinker. Right. In that order. Paul Goldschmidt, let's leave aside the fact that his OPS against lefties is 1.544. Going into that at bat. Going into that at bat. Uh, On sliders, 
Breaking balls. Breaking balls. First of all, 32.9% of the pitches he's seen this year are sliders. So he's, he's, seen, just a, see he's seen a lot of sliders. Sure. I, breaking balls in general, any variety of breaking ball, he's hitting 415. Five years ago, just to give you an example, it's five years ago, Paul Goldschmidt saw 20%. Sliders. Game's changed. Game's changed. He's mm -hmm. now seeing a third. Mm -hmm. But he's got 10 extra base hits versus sliders, which leads baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, he literally, you do him a favor when you throw him a slider. So now that we've set that up, we've got righty Paul Goldschmidt up. We've got Ryan Barucki, lefty. Barucki's just walked a pinch hitter. Here comes Paul Goldschmidt, and he's thinking, Jesus, please give me a slider. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's exactly what he was thinking. Now, now things for me anyway, when I watch these games, things don't happen just because they, they happen because you've made adjustments enough to put you yourself in a position that when you get a pitch that you should be hammering, you're able to do that because your lower half's connected to your upper half and, and because you're stronger than most human beings. Paul Goldschmidt, a, a couple of years ago, was a little closer together, feet a little closer together, mm -hmm. had more of a ground-making move with his lower half, which a lot of the times when you have that, your bat plays catch-up, what Vladdy's doing right now, because he has so much ground before his front foot hits the ground, your hand can do a bunch of things that's holding the barrel of the baseball, the, the, the bat. It just it, it, There's a lot of things that can go wrong, especially if you're getting started too late if you're getting started too soon if you're in the middle like a lot of things can happen there paul made an adjustment by spreading out a little bit much a little bit more doing a little of that heel raise mm -hmm. I, I guess that's what that's called i don't even know if that's what he would say it is but he raises it just to that's his trigger every good hitter has a trigger i talk about this with matt chapman which he does not have one and why i think he should get one but that's another story but he uses that as his trigger, and it gets back to your point about the breaking balls. He understands how many breaking balls he's getting. How do I hit it? Well, I, I eliminate a bunch of the movement so I can get my swing, my barrel in the zone quicker, which is the big thing now. You know, he starts it by that weird laying it almost level with up and down of his back, and then when the pitch comes, he wants to get it up, but he wants to drop the back elbow, get the barrel back there like Bo does. Mm -hmm. So it's a longer barrel more to your point about the breaking ball he understands how many he's getting how do you hit that consistently get it in there keep it in there but i have to have a good lower half right. and that's what he's been doing all right so i actually kind of pooched this a bit because the first discussion was david phelps would you have left david phelps in absolutely no question would you rather face a rookie left-handed hitter uh, with a veteran guy on the mound who can throw to a hitter's weakness who's only got 17 pitches. That, for me, is a no-brainer. And if you're Charlie sitting over there, you're thinking, I know exactly, if you know the stats of Paul Goldschmidt, I know him. You would think Charlie knows because there's 50 khakis sitting over there in that dugout. You would think is going, hey, Charlie, think about the guy that's standing on the on-deck circle. So how do you, if, if you happen to walk the either the lefty or the pinch hitter, how are you getting that guy out? So for me, this was a no-brainer. He had 17 pitches. David Phelps did he, what he did the, the day before he had an inning and a third. He threw 21 pitches. So what? If you have to give him three days off, yeah. give him three days off. Yeah, like, but, I just don't understand. He can't throw one more hitter to a guy that's been sitting over there three and a half hours, and now it's coming up that you think can give you a quality of bat. The, the pitches that, that, uh, that, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Anyway, the, yeah, Barucki was throwing to the pinch hitter Sosa. 
those were non-competitive pitches. Like he threw him three sliders in a row, which is given the the on deck circle. Yeah, that's what guy. Now, Paul Goldschmidt now was thinking. I just sliders. saw I just saw him throw a pinch hitter, and that's not as good a hitter as me. What's the chances of me getting those? And what did what did the Jays do to Paul Goldschmidt? Throughout the game, threw him a curveball for strike three. Then his first at bat, and then two heaters elevated. Right, which and he then he, got, he hits into he hits into a, 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 a double play against Brios. He, he didn't have good at bats. No, and no. now understand Brios isn't the same pitcher as Brucky, obviously. And but you also made a point about so anyhow. So you you would rather have stuck with Phelps and I had would, Phelps go again. Just just by just by what I'm seeing now, obviously we don't know what's going on with either one of those yeah. guys. You don't know who's available coming out of the bullpen. Is Jimmy Garcia available? And I, and Romano, I'm assuming, because we saw him getting loose. He's going to pitch, but he'll pitch with the lead. Yeah, and we don't know what. Uh, so he's we not don't know what in, we. As far as I can tell, we don't know what Charlie was thinking. I don't know if anybody asked Charlie after the game about uh, about that uh, about the move or non-move with the bullpen. My counter argument is this. My counter argument is this. You're right. We don't have all the data on David Phelps. We just don't. Um, I think part of the equation, and you, and I, I may be off base, but I think part of the equation here was Tim Mays is not with the team. Now, it appears as if he's not going to need surgery. He's working out in Toronto. This is an opportunity for Ryan Barucki. That if Ryan Barucki can't do the job for me in that situation, it's kind of a catch-22 because your your first thing is we always talk about putting the guy in position to succeed. You can argue that throwing a guy who's the slider out there against Paul Goldschmidt who kills sliders is not putting him in the position to succeed. But my point is at some point you got to take the training wheels off with Ryan Barucki. And if Ryan Barucki can't navigate that situation for me, given the way the rules are now in the game where you got to stay in to face a minimum three, then I, I really, I have no use for him. And I think that's, I'm hoping that's part of the thinking here. The guy, see if the guy can do it. Yeah, I know you don't want to give away a game. See if the guy can do it. Guess what? That situation rolls around the next time. I'm hoping Charlie doesn't go to Ryan Barucki again. I think you have to find out what you have at some point with this guy though. He's not, 20 years old. He's not 21 years old. The organization's been uber patient with him. You've ridden the learning curve, the surgery, all that stuff. You have to find out what he's about. Last night, he wasn't good enough. Now, we can question the pitch selection as well. But last night, he wasn't good enough. And if I'm Charlie, I now know that I can't count on Ryan Barucki. Or at least I'm going to have second thoughts about sending him out there again in that situation. That's the way I look at it. You give a guy a chance, the guy doesn't respond. Okay, you store that away. I just think for me it's the the point where you don't let the other team's best hitter beat you. How do you put your team in the best position to not do that? And let's all, you um, have to think ahead before yeah. the, the right of I excuse me, I understand that David Phelps walked a left-handed hitter on five pitches, but he he has good command. He can pitch to a hitter's weakness and to Think that he can't get either a pinch hitter out, which would that's not the case. They'd have left the lefty in, who's a rookie who will expand. Who David Phelps can get lefties out. Lefties yeah. are hitting a buck thirty-three off him. Yeah. I understand he just walked a lefty on five pitches and he's got 17 pitches and he threw 21 pitches. But I just with the way the offense is going, 
And with what you didn't do in the top of the 10th inning, which is a whole different conversation. Well, now we're going to have that conversation. (laughs) But I just, for me, I just think that's a golden opportunity lost. And again, I'm not in the dugout and I don't know what's going on. And I have no idea what the, the situation is with certain guys. I just know what I saw. And for me, the right guy wasn't put in the right position to help them win the game. The Jays were 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position, <laughs> which that's what I said. We might as well just do yesterday's show. Uh, more lineup maneuvers. Santiago Espinal moved into the number two spot. It worked. Uh, Vladdy, Vladdy Jr. into the number three spot. Bo Bichette into the cleanup spot. Uh, Teoscar hitting fifth. Now, credit Bo, he hit a couple of balls hard, including in the 10th inning, that sinking liner that Donovan made a nice play on. We'll talk about the 10th inning in a minute, but Kevin, the Jays had two of their runs scoring, bases loaded, walks. Up comes Vladdy. Bases still loaded. First pitch swinging, 5-3 ground out, inning over. Now, if I faced a guy who has just walked the first two batters he's faced, I'm probably thinking... Let's see if... I, 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 okay, that's that. I'm I'm saying it up. I'm I'm probably thinking. Okay, let's see a couple of pitches. You pointed out that Vladdy got a pitch to hit. Hanging slider, right down. Hanging slider. A first pitch, hanging slider. Yep. So the decision was correct to swing at that pitch from Vladdy's point of view. When you the, this is these these are the hardest at bats you're going to have. Now obviously with the runners in scoring position, it, it's almost like they're trying not to get hits, which that's a funny way of saying that yeah, I, you know, they're they're just really struggling at, at trying to get, you know, have competitive at bats when it matters the most. Whenever you talk to good hitters who are standing on the on deck circle and see their buddy facing a guy who's erratic, sort of all over the place, really doesn't know command of either pitch and don't, don't really know if you're when you're standing on the on-deck circle how to have that at bat. And I was always told when I was coming up, Marquise Grissom, Jeremy Burnett, Jeff Jenkins, decent hitters. Mm-hmm. Had really good big league careers. Said, look right down the middle. Don't look for a pitch. Look right down the middle. Try and get, I always talk about this, get in an athletic position and look right down the middle. And if it's not right down the middle, then take it. It's real simple. Look to me, that's exactly what his approach was. Like, he looked to me like he actually had an approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't looking fastball. He wasn't looking breaking ball. He was looking right down the middle. I'm going to I'm gonna get it started soon enough that I can get my foot down. That way, if it's velocity. Everything worked right. It did. Except him hitting the ball where, you know, it wasn't somebody standing there yeah. and, and on the ground. He has a lot of, again, this is very hard for anybody to break down because we're not – with a machine or a camera standing at the side of him, just watching every little way that he lands and what pitch it is. But it looks to me like he's late <clears throat> with his second start. He has explain, a lot of, he has, well, he has a lot of parts. I okay, talked about first that, start, flu, second start. that, that fruition, fruition of his gathering. People that are listening to this, that they can picture Vladdy standing there and doing his little where he holds his bat. And, you know, he tries to get his barrel straight up and down. Sort of like Paul Goldschmidt. not where you started. It's where you started. You know, you're attacking the baseball from. They can start it anywhere they want to start it, above your head, weird places. That's just to fill your barrel. That's why they do it that way. But it's that gather. You know, he starts, and then he he has the little gather that he has, and he stops again. And that, for me, is the issue now. It's 
how long am I stopping? Because a lot of times, Vlad, even last year, when he went through little, little, he would wait. He got very stale on his second start. So I start it, I stop it, and then I'm sort of standing waiting on the guy. And when you do that, what do you have to do sometimes? It's like that rubber band theory, Jeff. It's not like when you pull a rubber band to its fullest and you want to smack somebody with it, you're not going to pull it halfway and then start it again and then flick it because that's not going to hurt the most. And it's sort of the same theory of hitting is you when you get it, you want that flow to be – you know, I, it starts, and I don't really want it to stop. I just want it continuously going so that way there's a rhythm to my swing. There's timing to my swing, and I can repeat that over and over again. But when you start it, stop it, start it again, then a lot of things start to catch up. And how does it look, Jeff? Out and around, and the barrel is in and out of the hitting zone exactly the way Vladdy looks. And it's, again, the last four or five games, it's not what he's swinging at. He's getting good pitches to hit. These teams aren't pitching around him. Now the, well, the, they're we saw, not. We saw no, the Reds. We saw the Reds. They now did that's not high octane. They yep. had they had some good, you know, velocity on their heater. And they were they were coming right after him. And they were trusting their velocity. They, they sure was. So it's not the the pitches anymore. They're not pitching around him. I know he gets a bunch of breaking balls, and and that's an easy excuse to say he gets more pitches out of the hitting zone. Well, they're the, yet he the still pitchers, gets intentionally walked in the tenth uh, inning. So, <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's it's sort of when this team looks the way it looks, and I. And whenever I saw this in the 10th inning when Charlie didn't bunt Santiago Espinal okay, with now, the runner starting on second base. You're learning how to segue here. That's perfect because mm. that's our last point before we take a break. Ghost runner in second, George Springer. Good speed. Uh, Santiago Espinal comes up. Now, Santiago Espinal has been the Jays' MVP. Most, he's been other their, than the starters. He's been their most consistent hitter he sure has. this year. So Charlie rewarded him by moving him into the number two spot, which gives him the extra at bat. So let's keep that in mind. You've put the guy you want at the plate right now in the number two spot. So extra innings, you're on the road, you're not at home. And the golden rule for me on the road is I play for two runs in extra innings. I don't play for one run. If I'm on the road knowing the other team's coming up, I, I play I play for two runs. However, Kevin, I will admit that it did occur to me, why not have Espinal bunt? Now I got Guerrero and Bichette coming up. Surely to God, one of those two can hit a fly ball. If they pitch to Guerrero. Oh, but even better. Right? It, 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 even better. As many ground balls as he's been hitting, if you get that runner to third base, even better. Now I have Bo Bichette coming up who can expand the zone, who can create right. a little loft, get the ball in the outfield, sort of like what he did with the diving Bo, play in right field. Bo had four fly ball, outfield flies last you night. You would think it would just yep. – some, sometimes as a manager, you're sitting over there going, we're the worst team in baseball at something. But – Not even close. If it doesn't work, are you and I coming on and saying – why the hell do you move a guy up into the number two spot? I, I never will forget John Gibbons when I was standing around the batting cage, and I asked him, I can't even remember what the situation was, and I asked him, and I said, why did you do this? And he looked right at me and said, sometimes I do things just so I don't have to answer the question. <laughs> Jeff, they're hitting. I don't even look anymore. That's what they're hitting it. with runners and scores. Coming into that 10th inning, they were 0 for 7. They were 0 for 3 in that inning. Yeah. What made you think, any fan of the Blue Jays thinking with a runner, and I text you and said, no chance somebody's getting a hit here just because it's in their head. 
Like, they just don't have confidence. Nobody seems like they want to be the guy that walks to the plate and says, I got this. Nobody screams that. So if you're the manager and you're sitting over there, and I get your point, why would you want to bunt a guy to third base on the road? Well, you do that because you're the worst team in baseball, and it's not even close with runners in scoring position. Not even close. And now if I score just by a guy hitting a sack fly, or maybe I get a jam shot because he's not trying too hard to get a hit. He's just t- trying to have a productive at bat. Now I can get my closer in the game. I it, For me, it's just... Again, I'm not in the I'm not in the dugout, but man, it just sometimes you gotta go, you gotta do things that's not normal. Right now, their team's not normal. Like it's just, I've been there, but one through nine, except Santiago Espinal and occasionally George Springer, the rest of them are lost. Like they don't want to be at the plate when a runner on second base. So how do you make it easier for them to not have to get a hit? and still be productive, and maybe that would give them confidence, which that's 90% of the battle. I know I've been there. Now maybe that would carry into other at-bats, and maybe if they get hot that way, that'll be, you know, a trickle-down effect, and other guys would have the same approach. I just sometimes think it's these things are no-brainers. But am I am I wrong? Do You, you didn't see that? Because I... <laughs> It's a little frustrating to watch because it's it's like Groundhog Day, and I, and I jokingly text you and said, "There's no way they're they're scoring here, no no way." Yeah, no, you. you and they were non-competitive at bats, and they did. I don't the, think I had a response. I they, think my response was something cheeky, like, "Now nah, they'll hit a hit into double play somehow, or somebody get picked off." I it's just not going. Uh, it's it's not, just not. It's 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 just not going. It's not going well. Uh, it's not going well for this team at all right now offensively as we said they're they're a uh they're very tough uh they're a very tough watch you really hope you don't waste and you i've heard other people say this you you don't waste the good starts that they're getting well that's my because the starting pitch is going to have some hiccups throughout the season where it's just a marathon and and some guys don't feel right and they're going to have a couple bad starts in a row and then what how's this team going to look then I mean, I guess the, the the good news, as I said, if you're looking for good news last night, the Yankees lost to the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are now four wins behind your Blue Jays, Mr. Barker. I appreciate that. So they've got uh, St. Louis tonight. I'm sorry. Yeah, St. Louis tonight. Two games over 500. St. Louis tonight, three against the Angels. What happens if this team comes back from the West Coast? It's a game under 500. Dare I say it? Someone gets. You would certainly think so. Someone gets popped. I mean, they have nine hitting coaches. Four. Three. Three. (laughs) They have enough that you would think somebody's going to take the blame for this. Not going to be the players. Most of the players that are struggling are, are, they're committed to, like they're big names. You're not going to, you're not going to send any of those guys down. You're not going to interchange. You're not going to do, you know, odd things to the lineup. If other guys were hidden, you could probably think of moving Vladdy down in the order to take a little Mm -hmm. pressure off because you could see it. Like it's visible now, the pressure that he's feeling to. Well, you made the you step made the up. point, and opposing teams are not. We'll we have to stop the 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 they're pitching around Vlad. They are not. They're not pitching around. They Vlad. are absolutely not. They're treating him like Joe Joe Smith. They are. You know, two thirty career major league hitter. Here's how we're going to go at him. There you go. So you got what you got, and I commend Charlie for putting Santiago Espinal on the two spot. It's probably not what I would have done. But you got your best guy, and right now, can you, you argue? Can something. you argue this in the ninth inning? You would rather Santi be getting an extra bat than Vladdy. In the ninth oh, inning, oh, I thought I'd right never now? say that. Yep, 
right but now you I could would. argue that right now I would right now I would my level of confidence in anybody other than Springer Santiago just Espinal, the quality and, of their and, bats and to a degree Bo just because the the process is working with Bo other than that and I don't know about you but I think the 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 frustration we're seeing a little bit from Bo's facial expressions I think it's moving around the order yeah I don't think he likes that. I, I got well, and I. I don't think he has a hit since he hit the two homers hitting in the two two spot. Uh, yeah, and you know, I, I know Charlie yesterday talked about uh, you know it's going to come around. The hitting is going to come around. Trust me, hitting is oh. contagious. Not hitting isn't contagious. Is Monkeypox are contagious. <laughs> you know what's contagious? Slumps are contagious. Seriously, slumps are contagious. I don't buy. I've never bought the argument that hitting is contagious. Good approaches mm, are no, it's not. good good approaches are are contagious. I will I will buy into that. But if I can't hit a breaking ball, it don't matter. Just because the guy in front of me is hitting them don't mean I'm gonna hit him. Joe Siddle is our Blue Jays analyst on Blue Jays Central. We'll talk to Joe about that tenth inning last night. See how he might have worked with Ryan Barucki behind the plate. We've got tickets to give away for Saturday, May 31st, a game against the White Sox. Dale Scott, former MLB umpire, joins us at 11.05. 11.30, the fast Molina, otherwise known as Benji Molina, St. Louis Cardinals radio analyst, joins us as well to take a look at the Cardinals. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, Parker just threw out a great question. No. No, it's way too early for that question. And it's not the one you're thinking about. It's another one that we can talk about. (laughs) got nothing to do about the manager it's another one another question we can talk to. we're just having fun playing what if as a lot of you are on uh on are my people dms blaming, by are, the way. Are, are people blaming charlie for the offense? yeah we've moved from uh and by the way barker's back leg bits dms are open um yeah we've moved beyond the fire the hitting coach to fire the manager uh, there's an awful lot i swear to god there, there's i shouldn't say an awful lot but i can see three or four uh, I don't know. I see three or four right now about trading Vladdy to get Soto, um, which, you know, I won't even read out. But um, although I just did, didn't I? Anyhow, yeah, we're, we're, we're very much squarely in. Uh, in, in the Nats aren't going to do that because Vladdy will Charlie's, want the same amount of money as Soto wants. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty much squarely in the, uh, the winds are gusting into the do something about the manager category, which well, look, it's, talk, un, it's, it's under, it, it's talk, understandable. The talks will get stronger if they come home uh, under 500. Yeah. It, it's, it's understandable. Expectations are huge for this team. And ex, I, the president Mark Shapiro said at the end of the year last year, we got to figure out a way to get one more win. That's our job. One more win. That's what, that's why we didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> now, if you're a coach, you're thinking, man, I got to figure out how to get Vladdy hot before I, he gets me fired. Because that's basically what's going to happen. If he doesn't get hot. I don't know. I, because I don't know this, fr- I, this front office. I don't know I, that either, but it's, you know, what, I'm, what, I'm sure that's what coaches are thinking. Who is this front office? Who is this front office fired? Like, they didn't bring John Gibbons back. They made moves at the minor They've league They've never had expectations that. like this either, though. It's a little different that's now fair. this year. That's fair. Let's bring in Joe Siddle, our uh, Blue Jays 
central analyst. Joe, thanks for joining us. Uh, you really uh, May twenty fourth. I didn't think we'd be having that discussion, but uh, we're not really having. We're it. not really having no. it. We're just kind of, you know, under five hundred mulling. There'll it. be some thoughts mulling it over. Joe, the tenth inning last night. Uh, any any questioning on your part about bringing in Ryan Barucki and you know that that the 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 pitch mix to Goldschmidt. I mean, he took two fastballs for a strike. Ninety six. 97, two sinking fastballs for strikes. And yeah, I'm watching the game and Barker run FaceTime. And I mean, Joe, we know he's, sitting, he's waiting for the slider, right? There is no reason in the world for me to have Ryan Baraki facing Goldsmith there, guys. If uh, yeah, you tuned in post game at all, I was baffled. I was absolutely mystified that David Phelps comes out of that game. If you're looking ahead and you're thinking that your best matchup is Baraki, so he comes in to face the lefty Gorman. Well, of course, they're going to go to the bench. So they go to the bench for the righty. So is that the matchup you want for Barucki? Well, certainly not the hitter Goldsmith is, but I don't want Barucki facing a righty with the game on the line right now. It's just he has not earned that for me. If this isn't a rebuilding team and this isn't April the 5th, we're trying to figure things out. I get mazes out and, and sure, they, they need, need Barucki to be better. But this isn't tryout camp here. We, they're trying to win a baseball game, and there is no way. I know David Phelps pitched the day before, and he was getting into, what is that, 17 pitches. Whatever. If David Phelps can't go two more batters there, because that's all it would have been, right? He either gets Gorman or yeah. Goldschmidt's up, and it's either inning over or game over. Yep. And if I lost with David Phelps there, then fine. When he faced Edmund, he made some very close pitches, and he, he then he funny he kind of stayed away, but then he came in to walk him, and you know he was taking a shot. And I'm almost thinking that didn't bother him. Once he fell behind three one, if he misses inside, so what? He'll mm-hmm. take his chances. I would love to hear from David Phelps if he thought he was coming out of the game there, because I got to believe he was shocked. You can't have Baraki face a righty. If you know Baraki has to get so so, then we know that. But you're you're not putting Baraki. You're, you're going against the hitter's weakness, but your pitcher's strength in Brucky is not getting a righty. And my goodness, if you don't get that guy, which he's had trouble walking righties, guess who you get? Goldschmidt. That's, that is not the scenario the Blue Jays should have been in. And I don't want to say it cost them the game. There are a lot of other reasons. But, you know, mm-hmm. hitting aside, let's quit making excuses. The game's on the line in the 10th inning right there, and I don't think that they lost to the best matchup. Joe, million-dollar question. What's wrong with Vladdy? How do you fix him, too? So, you know, Kevin, you know when you've struggled, you're a totally different level than Vladdy. Of course, all yeah. of us are as hitters. But, like, you know when you're going in the batter's box and you're thinking, okay, hands go here, this, <laughs> my weight shift. Here's, you know, you, seriously, though, you know, you got a million things going on in your head and you work on it in the cage. It's like, okay, I think I got it. Now you go out to the field and it's, okay, yeah, I've got it on BP. Then you get in the game and you're just lost again. Like, I honestly believe he's in a position right now where it's like, okay, my foot's supposed to do this. It's not, John, my hands aren't doing that. There is. You can just tell. And I think that the dead giveaway was the was the ground out there in the what inning was that? Was that the eight or the, the, the beginning of the seventh? Yeah. Like I had no problem with him taking it. That was a backup freaking slider, right? Yeah. That's the yeah. one he hits nine miles on most occasions. So, uh, you know, don't tell me he shouldn't be hacking there. No way. That's the pitch you swing at. But I thought with the ground balls he was hitting earlier in the night, I thought, honestly, I thought he was better. Like the ball got deep on him back in his third inning at bat. It was a ground ball. It was a fastball up, but it got deep. So again, it's getting deep. The, the timing is off. Clearly he gets deep and it's a ground ball. Well, then I think he's trying to compensate by, Oh, okay. He hit a couple of ground balls. 
I got to get something in the air and drive the ball. That's who I am. That's when I'm at my best. But then you try a little too much, and then you kind of get under it, and then you're in another zone and you top the baseball. So he is just a complete mess right now. I don't. Nobody knows what the fix is. It wouldn't have lasted this long if he knew or if anybody else knew. But I mean, we've seen enough of good Vladdy that I think he's going to come out of this because he's so darn talented. Sure, they're pitching him differently. They're away a lot more. That's one more breaking balls, fewer fastballs. There are all kinds of things they're doing. But I don't think there's anything that pitchers can necessarily do to just dominate Vladdy. Like, it, it, this is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I've seen enough to think he's going to get out of it. But, man, this is frustrating. Yeah, and, and you know, the only thing I'll say to that is I thought the Cincinnati Reds did something a little different. I, I, I got yeah. the sense they weren't afraid of Vladdy. And now, the, of course, they got 102, 101, 100, so they can do that. Have you... Have you noticed, like, this last week, everybody comes out of a opposition's bullpens are throwing 98 and 100, uh, and, yeah. then, and then Simber comes out throwing 86, and Richards, it's like, I'm sure Blue Jays hitters are probably saying, what gives here? Oh. Everybody we see is throwing 100, but you know, Blue Jays don't exactly have a lot of high power coming out of the bullpen. No, that, and that's, look, I, I know that Ross was asked about that last week, that 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 is an issue. They don't have... They don't have any. They don't have any swing and miss stuff in the bullpen right now. They they None. they really don't. And you know Romano, yeah, but Romano's limited. I'm beginning to think that you can't necessarily. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I could use him in a game with a ghost runner. I, I just don't. I mean, I guess you have to, but I think he's such a different guy with a man on base compared to to nobody on base. But um, it, you know, I mean, he's yeah. He he. The bullpen and he, and Jordan Romano are far from issues for this team. Offense remains the issue. And that's my next question because Kevin and I toss this around, and I admit I'm conflicted on this, Joe. The 10th inning, George Springer's on second as a ghost runner. In your mind, are you thinking that Santiago Espinal bunts him over to third? In a game where you've put Espinal into the number two spot because he's the only guy, one of the few guys you have right now, capable of doing anything offensively. I was conflicted. I don't like playing for one. I've said this. I don't like playing for one run on the road in the 10th inning. I don't. But The Cardinals, the Cardinals thought he might bunt, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that, there you go. <laughs> now that's that. Now, yes. Nolan Arenado sure expected a bunt. <laughs> well, and Goldsmith too, I think. Now, I didn't have, believe it or not, and I'm usually the other way here, but I did not have a problem with him not bunting here. Okay. You've got one of your better hitters up. I got it, but I had a big problem with his approach. Now, I know he's a young hitter and he's new, but to not show some sort of some sort of, of, of feel that he trying to manipulate your hand, stay inside the ball and drive it to right center. Now, I know that's not the strength of his game, and I'm sure it's the first thing people will say. His strength is pulling the ball. Yeah, but, you know, for some reason, I see hitters like Bogarts and Gurriel do it against the Blue Jays, shoot one the other way and manipulate their swing and use their hands, and maybe he's not there yet. But he just came out of his shoes and just tried to drive something to left center. You could tell he pulled off the ball a little bit, got toward the end of the bat. Like, stay on the ball a little bit longer, stay inside it. And I know it's not easy. It's easy to say from here. I know it's not easy. But to try, just try to manipulate those hands. Then if you fly out to like right center, it doesn't even have to be real deep. You probably move the runner. And I know this is kind of the older school. This is not this is 2022 now. They don't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't care about moving a runner. And it just baffles me because oftentimes you get what you get. You get a fly ball to left center, not very deep. The runner doesn't advance. But to me, he's good enough. And I would think he can handle the bat well enough to say, I'm going to try to just – 
you know, lag that barrel a little bit and try to drive something that way. Yes, it's coming out of his comfort zone or game plan, but man, the the game of baseball for a hundred years, and I don't think it's changed. It's harder because pitchers are throwing harder. I get all that, but he got a pitch that he could have easily. I don't even care if he flies out to right center, right field, not even that deep. I think it moves George. Mm-hmm. So I had a problem with the approach situationally. For me, for me, I'd love to see him, but I was, I was in that camp of, you know, it, it, Shows sure. a little confidence that maybe it takes the pressure off the next guy standing on the on-deck circle. Joe, they're the worst team in, in baseball with runners in scoring <laughs> position. Like, they look like I used to look when I would go to the plate and just act. You know, you, you look sometimes like you just don't want to be at the plate when it matters the most. And whether that's fair to say or not, I just think there's certain times in certain parts of games where the manager can take a little pressure off. And with all the things I was listening to you say about staying inside the baseball and hitting the ball the other way, it's a lot to ask a guy that you just moved up. You put him in the five spot. You put him in the two spot. Just tell him to lay a bunt down. Maybe they'll walk Vladdy, and maybe Bo can hit a sack fly to right field, and Springer can score, and you bring in Jordan Romano, and they win the game. I just think I don't know how much I don't know how much Espinal bunts, but we've seen a lot of bunt attempts. Not a lot, but we've seen bunt attempts from Blue Jays hitters over the last couple years. And I think you got to be careful, Kev, thinking, oh, just bunt him over to third. Like, it doesn't always happen. What if he pops it up? What if he bunts it hard right back at the pitcher and they get George at third? I mean, there are a lot of – I don't think it's a a foolproof thing. That's the only problem I have with bunting. For a guy that's looking pretty good at the plate right there, I'll take my chances. But – as we know, the, the right decision is the one that works, and it didn't work. Yeah, I'm kind of. I, I I admit I've, I've got a foot in both camps here. I really do. I I didn't. I can see both sides. Um, you know, and then I I can also see Charlie being asked, "Hey, why did you? If it doesn't work out, why did you bunt with the guy you just moved into We're the, the number worst two team spot with, in baseball with hitting with runners in scoring position? I suppose." The beauty uh, of this game, right? It is. <laughs> always second guess. Uh, Te- Teoscar Hernandez, this is one of the reasons, too, why you bunt him over. just makes it a little easier for guys who are, what, one for their last 20, 27 and five for their last 58. That's a lot. You know, I think when – my question would be with you, when we stop saying, you know, he's still trying to get his feet wet, he doesn't have enough at bats, five for 58 is a lot, Joe. That, that's no, a, lot a lot in May. Like, those are one for 27. He's, he's, yeah. he's got a simple approach. There's not a lot of movement with his lower half. He's very good at going the other way. You would think his slumps, because of that reason, would be smaller. And it makes me wonder, is there something still wrong with him? That's a very good question. Never thought of maybe an injury lingering, Kev, but I, you're right. It's far too long now, and mm-hmm. I touched I touched on him last night on our show just briefly, and I think, you know, he's a guy, we know he's got power to all fields. He doesn't, he, I think, in fact, he wasn't, he was talking to Hazel a couple of times. I know I've heard over the last couple of weeks where he said coming back from his injury, he's just being a little too quick. Well, you know what that means as a hitter. It means like you feel like you've got, got to go get it. You've got to jump out there and get the pitch, and that's the last thing a hitter wants to do. And he is a little bit right now. He's jumpy. I thought he had one good at bat. He flied out to right field on a fastball down, stayed inside it pretty good. It was it was classic Teoscar, and I thought, okay, maybe that's maybe he's on to something. And sure enough, next at bat, and then the next at bat, he's just rolling over ground balls to the pull side because he's out front. And and yeah, he's just he's he's too quick, and he does not need to be. It's so hard to convince yourself. You can tell yourself all day to to really stay back, let the ball travel, and just drive it to right field. And all of a sudden, guess what? You're out there, and here comes the barrel, and you roll it over to short. It's a long time. You're right, Kevin. You wonder if something's lingering because mm-hmm. if you're still doing it now, like he's doing it, and as I said, I thought he had the one good at bat last night, but the rest were not good. When you're still doing it, is it something that's preventing you from staying back and getting that good load in that back hip? Is something in your, in your turn? Yeah, you, that's a good point. Uh, it's, it's baffling. It's far too long, though. Yeah, this is a, 
this should have been uh, fixed by now. And you can say that about a lot. Joe, can I, can I ask you an obvious question? Uh, the, the, <clears throat> whenever I struggle, you struggle a lot. It, it would take the obvious move of moving around the bot- batter's box a little bit. You know, scoot closer, scoot further away, move closer to the pitcher, create a different angle. Your, your contact point is different when you're moving around the batter's box. These guys are laid on heaters. They're out in front of breaking balls. The obvious thing would be, to move around. My question is not why they're not doing that. I think we all know why they're, they're creatures of habit, and this is what got them to the big leagues, and it's hard for them to change. But I want to ask you, you being a catcher, if if you were first at bat and you game plan against Vladdy, and you know where he stands in the batter's box, and all of a sudden he walks to the plate and he's standing somewhere different, what would that do to you? Well, you might pitch him accordingly. Like if he creeps up on the plate because we're pounding him away with breaking balls mm-hmm. and fastballs and using the outside part of the plate all day, every day, and we've seen teams doing that, and he creeps closer, that would tell me, okay, maybe he's trying to get onto some. I would stay with my plan until he proves that he can beat me. Now, if I go out there with a slider and it's on the outside corner and now he drives it to right center, I'd say, okay, he's made an adjustment. But honestly, Kev, I think moving is one thing that a hitter, it's almost like uh, it's almost, it's almost like when you change the batting order, a little bit of a panic move Yeah. <laughs> because mm-hmm. ultimately your swing mechanics are what matters, right? Like no matter where you're standing, like I think I, you mentioned, I think Matt Chapman earlier, like he doesn't really have, he's kind of a 50, 50 guy with his weight. He doesn't really have a negative move. It's like just forward. And I haven't seen him hit tons in the past before this year, but it's really just a forward move. And when you have just a forward move, I'm thinking you're going to be susceptible to that breaking ball because he's not picking up spin real well. Now, I think he's got a, a pretty good turn. So he's kind of a guy that's got one thing but not the other. And that's probably why he's so inconsistent. So everybody's got little tweaks in their swings. Like you, you can't send 10 guys to the batting cage and say, okay, guys, we're working on this today. Because everybody's swing mechanics are different. And I think when you're talking about a hitter adjusting in the batter's box, it's not a bad thing when you're struggling to try that because maybe even mentally that might help you say, yeah, I'm going to cover that outside pitch now. And that can be a win. But ultimately, the swing mechanics are what matters. And part of that can be, you know, like with Lottie, I said, it could be that little gather he has, could be the load when he's actually loading in that back hit, it could be when he's actually delivering the barrel. There's so many things that go into it. The stride, the weight shift, you know, is, is, was he in better shape earlier in the season than he is now? I mean, who knows? There's so many things in terms of strength, dynamic strength. But uh, as a hitter, you have to figure yourself out. And, and, you know, Kev, as a hitter, if you're in this lineup right now, what you're working on in the cage is probably different than what Chapman's doing, than what Teoscar's doing, than what sure. Kirk's doing. Everybody's different. Now, the good thing is you get to do it again in baseball, and the Jays will wrap up. You guys are laughing. That is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, but their face are righty today. throws 102. Uh, just another, just he another, throws 102. Shocker. Just another day. Shocker. Just another day in paradise, <laughs> boys. Just another day. (laughs) Another day in paradise. Another day in paradise. Good opportunity to run into one if it's 102. Well, I wouldn't look for the slider. I'd be looking for that heater tonight. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. All right, guys. Have a great day, boy. You too, man. Joe Siddle, Blue Jay Central Analyst. You know, it's sports. You know, it's funny. I was listening to That's Joe. Right, Jordan. I forgot. I forgot. Jordan, Jordan Hicks is throwing tonight. He got 102. I, I was Jesus. listening to Joe talk about all the things. And you can listen to him as a fan. You think, now I've been a part of this, Jeff. And I've had, like, I've been the only only person in the cage. And I've had a, a, a coach, a player that I would trust that's similar to me that I can throw things off of. Right. And, and there would be me trying to hit off a tee. And I'd be doing it wrong. And you'd hear something coming from the coach. You'd hear something coming from the player. And I was listening to Joe talk. Just think about what it is right now for these guys in a cage, one through nine. They mm-hmm. probably throw out Santiago Esmo. He's he's feeling 
Like, I got a little mojo. I got some confidence. I walk the plate. I got a plan. When I get it right mechanically, I get the foot down. I'm doing good you, things with, with just it's funny listening to Joe you, talk and how it would sound in your mind. You also know. When you struggle. Yeah, and, and you also know that these guys like to help each other out. So in addition sure. to the three hitting coaches, you've probably got George saying something. You've <laughs> definitely got Bo saying something. I mean, I mean, I mean, mean that in a this, good way. I mean that in this. a good way. The, the most, like, like Vladdy, Teo, and Lourdes all hang out together. They all yeah. hit together. How are they doing? So who's doing the talking? Like, <laughs> like when, like Tay Oscar would tell Vladdy something, Vladdy would be like, dude, I'm not listening to you. Like that's sort of the, the, the conversation that you're having in a batting cage. It's not easy. Like everybody thinks it's just, you flip the switch on and you should be able to fix it. The three of us are it's com- impossible. The three it's of hard. us are a combined five for 90. Let's figure <laughs> yeah, this out. Yeah, yeah. Let's figure this Why thing out. Why would I listen to you? You stink. <laughs> you're five for 58, dude. <laughs> Let's figure this out. Let's all get together, put our heads together, and figure out how we can how we can get out of this slump. Uh, we've just fixed it. We've just fixed we it. We did. Way too much fun. Way too much fun. <laughs> we have tickets to give away to see the White Sox on May 31st. We've got Dale Scott, former MLB umpire. We've got the fastest Molina on the planet, Benji Molina, St. Louis Cardinals Spanish language radio analyst. It's a treat to cover and a really good dude. We'll get it. I think he might have some insight on Yachty and Molina for something tells me that. So lots ahead. We got Barker's back leg bits as well. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast.